1995, Batman fans around the world were forced to watch as the beloved character that Tim Burton had redeemed from the campy hell of the 1960s was dragged through a neon rubber fetish hellscape called Batman Forever. And then in 1997, it somehow got even worse with Batman and Robin. These two films were nearly universally reviled upon their release and have gone down in history as some of the worst superhero movies of all time. However, in some circles, they've since become cult classics that hold the mantle of so bad it's good. Today we take you through the production and story of these two horseshit masterpieces and try to find the silver lining of the movies that director Joel Schumacher will apologize for for the rest of his life. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And you're listening to Filmgasm. Weird Shit Wednesday listeners. Every fifth episode, we like to take a step back from horror and look into a larger, broader topic for shits and giggles. A filmmaker's career, a Hollywood scandal, or a franchise focus, just to name a few. Today, on our 45th episode, we're tackling the Schumacher Batman films that killed DC's most profitable character's movie career for eight years and gave us the nightmarish image of nipples on the Batsuit. So thanks for that, Joel. I'll see you in therapy. Last week's Darabont double feature of The Mist and The Shawshank Redemption was so much fun, and we also hope you enjoyed our Richard Jewell bonus episode. I thought those were really good ones. Yeah, how about Shawshank Redemption, right? That was fun. That was so much fun. Uh, I have to admit I watched it again after we recorded. It's tough not to. <laughs> it's one of those. I can just, well, it's like, know. yeah, Shawshank, I compare to every like great thing, you know, any great thing, and when I... Think about, you know, like a big, I'm a big basketball fan. When I think about like a team playing well, I want to go play. Like, yeah. oh, I want to be on the action. That's how I feel about Shawshank. I'm like, I just want, I want it to be on the screen. I want to be a part of it. I want to, I want to be there with Andy and Red again. <laughs> I don't want to fucking be there, but you know what I not mean. physically, but I get what you mean. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I want those, a, I want to be with those characters. It is a wonderful movie and it is all inspiring and I could watch it literally all day. Yeah, it's great. It's amazing. And The Mist is no fucking slouch either. <laughs> <laughs> neither is Richard Jewell. Oh, no. It's yeah. a good week. It was a good week for Filmgasm. So we've got two updates for you on the Rewind. One on bonus one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and a personal correction on bonus 28, The Shawshank Redemption. First of all, Quentin Tarantino has announced a possible four-hour director's cut of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that may be released next year sometime. I can't fucking wait. Yeah, all in, of course. Anything for more Rick Dalton in my life, as long as we don't have to see any more goddamn hippies. Ah, <laughs> oh, four hours of Rick fucking Dalton and Cliff Booth. Who wouldn't want that? Come and get it, fucker. <laughs> God. It's going to be more weird adventures. I, yeah, I can't wait. Sure. Look, I want sign, a fucking series with these guys. Sign me up, yeah. Oh, a ten-part series on Netflix? Hell yeah. Let's do it. I want like a, like a behind-the-music on like, Rick Dalton. Oh, man. (laughs) How fucking meta would that be? All right, finally, and this is a bit embarrassing, but got to bring it up. Yeah. An update on our recent bonus on Shawshank. I know. Yeah, I realized immediately. I was like, fuck. Yeah. When referring to Red's real name, I accidentally called him Otis Redding. I know. (laughs) I actually let it slide. I have to be honest. I wish you pointed that out. It would have saved me a week of embarrassment. (laughs) I think it's great. 
Otis Redding's awesome. So his real name is Ellis Boyd Redding. He is not responsible for the hit song and you did on say the Dock hit, of the Bay. You did say Boyd again at some point, I think. I called him Ellis Boyd Redding later in, yeah. later on, but in the intro, I so called him not Otis So like di- it's not like you didn't know. <laughs> you just said Otis. Yeah. And Otis sounds like Ellis. To, to put this in perspective, we with the bonus episodes, we don't have a script. We go um, in blind, yeah. improvise the entire thing. Yeah. So there's a lot more fuck-ups <laughs> on the bonus episodes. And that, to me, is not even a fuck-up, because Otis Redding's <laughs> awesome. I'm yeah. not proud of it, but I needed to call this mistake out, because I, I have felt like a fucking idiot all week. <laughs> we, well, we all make mistakes. <laughs> it's great. So, now that we got that nasty business out of the way, <laughs> let's begin with 1995's Batman Forever, but first, a brief history of the Batman film franchise up to that point. Tim Burton brought the caped crusader to the big screen in 1989 with Batman, starring Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne and Jack Nicholson as the Joker. This film is a massive success, grossing $411 million on a budget of only $35 million and winning an Oscar for Best Art Direction. It boosted Burton's career as a director to superstardom and proved to naysayers everywhere that Michael Keaton, the goofy guy from Night Shift, Mr. Mom, and Beetlejuice, could play a convincing Bruce Wayne. To me, he's never been topped. Yeah. It's tough. I think he's the best Batman so far. That's fair. Down. That's fair. Yeah. I think Christian Bale is a great Bruce Wayne. His Batman's a little rough. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Obviously, there was high demand for a sequel. And in 1992, Batman Returns was released, starring Michael Keaton as Batman once again, Danny DeVito as the Penguin, Woo! Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, Woo! and Christopher Walken as evil businessman Matt Shrek. Yes! The film was a moderate hit, grossing $266 million on a budget of $80 million and getting nominated for two Oscars for Best Visual Effects and Best Makeup. But Warner Brothers was disappointed that it made $150 million less than the first film. Plus, it didn't sell enough toys. And McDonald's, who had a toy deal with Warner Brothers, told them that it was too frightening for children. The decision to go in a different direction without Burton at the helm is what led to the travesty that followed. And you are a massive fan of Batman Returns. Oh, Indeed. <laughs> oh, indeed. I enjoy this movie so much. So rewatchable. Oh, yeah. All of the characters are great. And it is the best Gotham to this day. Outstanding movie. It is fucking awesome. Outstanding. I love both of them, though. Both the Tim Burton ones. They're my two favorite Tim Burton movies of all time. Oh, they're fantastic. Uh, as Returns and then Bat. Yeah. They still hold up. Love them. Yeah. yeah. Still love them. Still watch them all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. My family's disowned them because of the Nolan trilogy. I have to fight for it every time. I feel bad. Dis, what do you mean disown? Like they don't they, like them. Like they disregard them. Like yeah. they're just nothing because of what Nolan did. Yeah, they won't watch them anymore. They think that they don't hold up because Nolan's were better. And I'm like, that's not how film works, guys. It can they can both be good. You can love them all. I also don't. Yeah, I also don't know if there's like serious um, one way or the other. Like Burton's are better or Nolan's are better in my in my world. In my mind. I think no ones are better, but Burton's are still fun. I grew up with them, so it's I'm going to love those forever. I don't know. <laughs> Separate podcast. We'll, and, we'll do Burton's. It's, it's also three against two. Uh, it's a trilogy versus two movies. Uh, I don't know. I just have... I, yeah, there's holes. There are serious mm-hmm. holes. And, like, lulls in Nolan's movies, I think. I'm, But I'm also not one that thinks, like, Nolan's a master, you know? Um, like I, I don't think he's as... Yeah, like... Like his big movies, like in you know Inception, and those are not—they're not, not totally my thing, you know. I think that his weak points are 
still better than most directors for sure. In a strong point. for sure. And his like his body of work, his great films vastly outweigh his moderate films to me. Like he, I think he's had more amazing, incredible films than most directors working today, and he's in just a short amount of time. Yeah, but I see I mean, what since, you mean. Since like, yeah, I'm just not like a. Yeah. I mean, we I didn't go, really like Inception either. We could go down the line of all of them, yeah. and yeah, you'd just be surprised at which ones I'm like. Eh. Oh, Christopher Nolan's on the he's on the docket. We'll do him yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so Burton was planning a third movie titled Batman Continues, creative title, with Keaton returning as Batman, Michelle Pfeiffer returning as Catwoman, Billy D. Williams reprising his role as Harvey Dent from the first film, now Two-Face, Robin Williams as the Riddler, Brad Dourif as Scarecrow, Rene Russo as Dr. Chase Meridian, and Marlon Wayans as Robin. This sounds fucking amazing, and I think Burton would have pulled it off. His Batman (laughs) films are counted among the best of the genre, and frankly, this... Who wouldn't want to fucking see Robin Williams as the Riddler? I agree. My God. Brad Dourif as Scarecrow? That is brilliant. Yeah. My God. And this is, what, this would be like 1994, I think is what he was aiming for? Yes. So Brad Dourif, like in the midst of the Chucky franchise. Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Pre-Goodwill Hunting? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. (laughs) Billy D as Two-Face? Yeah, come on. (laughs) Why not? Even Marlon Wayans is Robin after seeing him in Requiem for a Dream. I could tell That would have been fantastic. Yeah, he could have done something with that. Love Requiem. But this didn't happen, regrettably. To make a film that was more family-friendly, Burton was fired, and Joel Schumacher was his replacement. Tut. <laughs> Prior to Batman Forever, Schumacher had directed The Lost Boys, St. Elmo's Fire, Flatliners, Falling Down, and The Client. Mostly good films from what I've heard. Of those, I've only seen The Lost Boys. But... I get why, you know, that, that's a pretty decent track record. Yeah. So what the fuck happened? After his Batman fiasco, he would go on to direct 8mm, Tigerland, Phone Booth, The Phantom of the Opera, and The Number 23, among others. So he's not a bad filmmaker. He just had the strangest, most out-there vision of Batman, and he went for it. And nobody stopped him. No, even, like, questioned, yeah. No. Burton stayed on as producer but he slowly grew to hate Schumacher's vision for the film, especially the title Batman Forever. Burton remarked, quote, I always hated those titles like Batman Forever. That sounds like a tattoo that somebody would get when they're on drugs or something, or something some kid would write in the yearbook. Yeah. Burton, Batman Forever! Not mincing his feelings there. I kind of get it. It's a pretty shitty title. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> I'm with him. The intent was to make a Batman film for the MTV generation that could make its money back in merchandise. So Michael Keaton left the film as he did not like the direction the film was going in. He turned down a $15 million offer. Good career move, for sure. Although, in between the Batman franchise and, like, Birdman, he did not have much. Mm -hmm. I think Warner Brothers was responsible for that. Yeah. I bet it was some, you know, some cold shoulder. Like, they were pissed that he backed out. I, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Which sucks, but you know what? Birdman brought him back to the top where he belongs. Hell yes, and then Spotlight, yep. Yeah, Spider-Man, the founder, he's had a string of great hits. Yeah, this decade's been good. Oh, oh, hell yeah. Talk about a second wind. Or this past decade, because fucking it's 2020. Yeah. (laughs) Still not used to it. (laughs) No, I won't be, yeah. $15 million. God damn. I just, I know this is off topic, but fuck it. I just uh, finished watching The Patriot, one of my favorite movies. So good. And I learned that for that movie, Mel Gibson was paid $25 million. That's like, it was like a, full, like a third of the budget of the movie. 
They were going to have Kevin Spacey be the bad guy. He was going to be Tavington, but they couldn't afford him after yeah. paying Mel. So like, you know, Mel took uh, Which, yeah. I mean, Jason Isaacs is leagues better. He's Brit- You can't have a... You need a British guy to play the British bad guy Agreed. in the American Revolution movie. Agreed. Oh, whatever. That's just been on my mind all day. <laughs> so, to replace Keaton as Batman, Schumacher made an offer to Ethan Hawke, who said no. 90s Ethan Hawke as Batman. What do you think of that? No. No? No, because he's doing, you know, reality bites and then uh, before sunrise and yeah, no, when, no, when it would have been weird and would have changed his career for a, a path that no, I, I'm down. He's I, I love Ethan Hawke. I love Ethan Hawke's career. It's going to change it completely. So I'm glad it, I'm glad it went the way it went. Yeah, bet training day never would have happened. I don't think he's going to be doing boyhood. Yeah. Yeah. For 12 years straight. Yeah. I don't bef- think he has the relationship with Linklater that he does. Yeah. yeah. The before trilogy probably just has one movie. Yeah, you never know. You just don't, yeah. Who hmm. knows what happens if you, you, when you do something that big, you just have no idea. I love these ripple effect stories in Hollywood. Like, if what that if, guy had done yeah. this, what would Hollywood look like now? Mm-hmm. Brilliant. So Schumacher's short list for Batman was, get this, Daniel Day-Lewis, Ray Fiennes, Johnny Depp, William Baldwin, and the man who ultimately got the role, Val Kilmer. So Val Kilmer was the fifth choice. <laughs> Fair enough. Who the fuck? Billy Baldwin, really? Yeah, yikes. <laughs> yikes. Not even the second best Baldwin Daniel brother. Daniel Day-Lewis. 90s Daniel Day-Lewis. Fresh off in the name of the father. Really? Yeah. Like, yeah. Jesus. Really? No. Of course, at the time, we didn't know Daniel Day-Lewis was going to be Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, totally Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as Batman? Jesus Christ. That's I w- ambitious. I want to see it, but I don't think it would have worked. He probably wouldn't have gone to Method, gone into New York and started attacking criminals or something. 90s Ray Fiennes, that would have been something to, to, to see. That, that's probably my favorite of those yeah. candidates. You're not feeling Billy Baldwin? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, and Johnny Depp, 90s Johnny Depp, no, I don't see that. So yeah, Val Kilmer, kind of the, the best of the worst choices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tombstone! (laughs) Kilmer signed on without reading a script or knowing who the director was, since Batman was a pretty hot role to score for an actor whose reputation was getting worse by the minute. Kilmer's big break was 1986's Top Gun, and from there he appeared in films like Willow, The Doors, True Romance, and Tombstone, the role that got him noticed by Schumacher. And of those, I've seen all but Willow. I've never seen that movie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I have it at at, home, at my uh, family's house. I should watch it. Yeah, it's Perfect. my daughter's name, so I should check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah you should. Of all the people, you should watch that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tombstone's fucking great, though. I yeah yeah, and I can see why he would get cast as Batman after Doc Holliday. I adore Tombstone. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. So great. So after Batman, Kilmer did Heat, The Ghost in the Darkness, The Island of Doctor Moreau, and The Saint before popping up in the occasional independent production. He's currently set to reprise his role of Iceman in Top Gun Maverick, set for release in June of this year. And his incredibly douchey behavior killed his career pretty damn fast. Like, in the late 90s, he vanished. Yep. Nobody wanted to work with Val Kilmer. I think he's eased up lately. I think he's realized he was a complete dick and he's trying to get some good graces back. But we'll see if Top Gun Maverick turns him into a prick again. I'm not seeing that, so... I'm not either. 
I, I don't like Top Gun. No, do I. I don't get why everybody's all gung ho about that movie. It was so stupid. Because like it's it's like one of those things that just kind of forced down your throat. Really is. Like yeah. you have to like this. You live in America. Top Gun. Didn't Tom t- Cruise. Didn't take my breath away. <laughs> oh hell no! I love Berlin. Great band. Great song. Best thing to come out of that movie was Kenny Loggins' Danger Zone. That's a great fucking song. Yeah, I agree. I sing it still. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just like while I'm walking around at work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. When Kilmer was cast, Warner Brothers dropped Rene Russo and cast future Oscar winner Nicole Kidman as Dr. Chase Meridian. Before we get to Kidman, yes. I'm kind of bothered that I passed over Heat like that. I fucking love Heat. <laughs> heat is so good. Heat's pretty fucking good. Gotta find a way to do a bonus on Heat because it's just <laughs> fantastic. Heat's great, but it's fucking long. It's as like hell. Three, it's like over three hours. I've now. only seen it once, and that's a big problem I have with a lot of Michael Mann's work. It's just so goddamn long. You really yeah. got to get into it. Yeah. And he has a, a lot of lulls. Oh, yeah. But. Oh, yeah. It's worth it for that, that those face-offs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Definitely will do. Heat. Michael Mann definitely knows, like, scope. Like, when, like, that climax is always like, yeah. Oh, yes. Like, you know, Last of the Mohicans, you know. His films almost feel like a fucking architectural blueprint. Like, they're so. Yeah. Methodical. <laughs> yes. If anything. Is and a little bit different. The whole thing goes off the rails. And you totally know when you're watching a Michael Mann film. Yes. You totally know. Yes. Yeah. Crazy. Heat is great. Heat is great. <laughs> Back to Nicole Kidman. <laughs> so Kidman won an Oscar for her role in 2002's The Hours, where she played uh, acclaimed author Virginia Woolf. Oh, oh, oh. And she's been nominated three more times for her roles in 2001's Moulin Rouge, 2010's Rabbit Hole, and 2016's Lion. And she's arguably the worst part of this movie. And that's really saying something. Her character is poorly yeah. written as a dewy-eyed schoolgirl obsessed with Batman, not as a legitimate psychologist. And, yeah, her character's fucking useless. Uh, yeah. You know? Just just strictly eye candy, and it's really frustrating because she has so much talent. I mean, you compare Chase Meridian to Vicki Vale in 89's Batman, Kim Basinger. She's a fully realized character with her own dreams, her own goals. Yes. She's not there to just fall in love with Batman. She's... You know, she does things. She's she's a reporter. She's a very talented photographer. Oh, she's like critical to the plot. Yeah. yeah. Chase is just there because she really wants to fuck Batman. Yeah. yeah. That's her whole character. That's arc. it. Ugh. And, and those, she, scene, those scenes are so empty. I'm not supposed to believe she's a doctor. Yeah. God damn it. Ugh. But, you know, I don't blame Nicole Kidman. I blame the writing. Yeah, yeah. She's young. Mm-hmm. And I've never... We talked about this right before we started recording. I've never been that big a fan of Nicole Kidman. Yeah, I'm like a massive, massive <laughs> fan. She's like one of my favorite actresses of all time, yeah. She's great. I we, love her. We both just saw Bombshell, and uh, she was good in that. She wasn't the best of No, the... she isn't the stand-up, but she's good. Yeah. She's solid. Which is kind of sad because uh, I already forgot <laughs> I already forgot her character's uh, name. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad. She's at the center of this whole thing, and I was just yeah. about to say, like, her character should have been the spotlight, and here I am forgetting her fucking name. My mistake. Sorry. That's funny. I want to say Gretchen. Gretchen Carlson. Gretchen Carlson. Thank you. That's right. That's right. I wanted to say Gretchen Schwartz, but I knew that was a character from Breaking Bad, so I didn't say it. Yeah. (laughs) Gray Matter. Yeah. But yeah, I just think that's interesting. You know, the movie focuses on Megyn Kelly instead of Gretchen Carlson. Mm -hmm. Don't really know why. That's for another time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Billy D. Williams was ousted as Harvey Dent and replaced with Oscar winner Tommy Lee Jones. 
who only took the role because he wanted to do a movie that his kids could see him in. Jones won an Oscar for his role in 1993's The Fugitive, and he's been nominated three more times for his roles in 1991's JFK, 2007's In the Valley of Ella, and 2012's Lincoln. I love him in the Men in Black franchise and in No Country for Old Men. He, he's fucking great, but he hated every second of this film, and his rivalry with Jim Carrey is now kind of legend. Yeah. It's crazy. And speaking of, Jim Carrey was cast in the role of Edward Nigma, the brilliant but psychotically arrogant scientist who becomes the Riddler. At that time, Carrey was possibly the biggest movie star in the world, having had three number one box office hits in 1994 with Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, and Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Getting him on board meant Robin Williams was out, which cheesed him off since he'd been used as bait to get Jack Nicholson on board as the Joker back in 1989. Oddly... Michael Jackson really wanted the role of the Riddler, but Schumacher turned him down repeatedly. Yeah. And no way. <laughs> that would have been ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, pushing aside how distracting that would have been, I think that would have been just fucking weird. Oh, I mean, yeah, terrible. Yeah. I, I mean, think, it, like, Carrie's Riddler is the strongest part of the movie, I think. Oh, agreed. That's the thing that's aged the best to me. Yeah. yeah. I think just Carrie does such a great job at playing somebody so fucking unhinged. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Unpredictable, yeah, yeah. I think he missed his calling as the Joker. I mean, oh Jesus. Gosh, 90s yeah. Jim Carrey as the Joker would have been unbelievable. He could do it right now. He could. He could play, yeah. I, I'd, I'd see that. So, a bit on the Carrie Jones feud before we continue. Here's a great retelling of the story that I found in an article on thehollywoodreporter.com. Quote, I was the star, and that was the problem, Carey guessed. He's a phenomenal actor, though. I still love him. The situation came to a head in the middle of production before the two had their biggest scene together on the Joel Schumacher film when Carey randomly popped into the same restaurant that Jones was having dinner. The maitre d' said, Oh, I hear you're working with Tommy Lee Jones. He's over in the corner having dinner. <laughs> I went over, and I said, Hey, Tommy, how are you doing? And the blood just drained from his face, Carey said. And he got up shaking. He must have been in mid-kill-me fantasy or something like that. And he went to hug me, and he said, I hate you. I really don't like you. And I said, what's the problem? And pulled up a chair, which probably wasn't smart. <laughs> and he said, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. Which is the most Tommy Lee Jones way to say, fuck you. Yeah, buffoonery. <laughs> sanction your buffoonery. What the fuck is this? You go and sanction buffoonery now. In an interview Carrie did with Norm MacDonald, Norm said Jones's ire likely came from Carrie, who had risen quickly to become a huge star, being the center of attention no matter the room he entered. Carrie had a different theory. Quote, He might have been uncomfortable doing that work, too, he said. That's not really his style of stuff. Yeah, but don't be a colossal prick, because you're not comfortable with the kind of movie you signed on to do. Yeah. Nobody tricked you into doing this. Yeah. Sounds like Jim Carrey was the cool-headed professional here, which I would never have thought. Yeah, I know. But then, you know, Tommy Lee Jones has always hated the spotlight. He's been notoriously difficult his whole career. Yeah. Like, if you're not, you know, born and bred Texan and leave him the fuck alone, he hates you. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, probably not very much fun on set. My grandpa ran into him once at a restaurant. Yeah. Just, like, they were walking down the same stairwell, and grandpa's coming up, he's coming down, and just looks over, he's like, oh, it's Tommy Lee Jones. And he just said... Morning. Tommy Lee Jones goes, yeah, it is, isn't it? Or something like that. Walked away, and that was his interaction with Tommy Lee Jones. He brings it up almost daily because he was so excited. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> it? 
Finally, despite Marlon Wayans being firmly cast as Robin, Schumacher decided to open the casting opportunity to other actors. He pretty mm-hmm. much, once he came on board, everyone was out. Yeah. Schumacher pursued Leonardo DiCaprio, but he turned it down. He had a meeting with Schumacher, and I guess he didn't like what he heard, because young Leo, pre-Titanic, said no to a Batman movie. Which yeah, is, his agent was like, no, nah, man. Yeah, man. Not a, not a good call. Shit. You'd think, that, you know, just got Oscar nominated as a like teenager for What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah. You'd think this would be, you know, Robin? You know, like, what is ramping up to be, I'm sure, hyped to be this huge production? And you're going to turn that down after meeting the director? He must have said some... Fucked it up. Oh, my God. <laughs> Eventually, Chris O'Donnell was cast as Robin in a role that effectively ended his movie career in 1997. Prior to this, O'Donnell had appeared in films like Fried Green Tomatoes, The Three Musketeers, Scent of a Woman, Blue Sky, and Circle of Friends. After Batman and Robin, O'Donnell never really landed another big movie. But he found success on the small screen, having recurring roles on shows like The Practice, Grey's Anatomy, and a starring role on NCIS Los Angeles, which is currently on its 11th season. So I'm glad he, he came back somehow. Figured something out, yeah. He found, you know, found some you know, success on TV, which Got is good. Got his yeah. Because he's, he's, he's not a good Robin, but I'm, again, I don't think it's him. No, yeah, yeah, you can't blame it on one. Yeah, I don't blame any of the actors in these movies. No, for movies to work, man, so many things have to yeah. be hitting on all cylinders. Kind of starts with the writing. I, I, I do blame George Clooney a little bit. <laughs> He's pretty bad. He's pretty bad, but then again, I'm sure that script wasn't exactly, you know, gold. Michael Goff and Pat Hingle return as Alfred Pennyworth and Commissioner Gordon, the only remnants from the Burton era. Schumacher's production design erased Burton's timeless Gotham City and turned it into a neon postmodern landscape with giant statues everywhere for some reason. His Gotham City makes no fucking sense it's architecturally. Yeah. It's, it's stupid. The classic Elfman theme was taken away and replaced by the most forgettable Batman music, a theme by Elliot Goldenthal, who would go on to win an Oscar for Best Original Score for the 2002 film Frida. He was also nominated for Best Original Song for Frida for the song Burn It Blue, and also for his scores for 1994's Interview with the Vampire and 1996's Michael Collins. Goldenthal's music isn't terrible, it's just dog shit compared to Elfman's score yeah. and Zimmer's score for the Dark Knight trilogy. Exactly. It's stuck between these two iconic these superhero themes. Yeah. And then you got his weird, kind of forgettable superhero theme. Pretty generic. Like, there's nothing special about it. No. Production was difficult, with most of the tension coming from Val Kilmer, whom Schumacher called, quote, childish and impossible. Yeah. Reportedly, Kilmer fought with the crew often and refused to speak with Schumacher for two weeks after Schumacher once said he was being rude. What a fucking child. Also, Tommy Lee Jones was no help either. Schumacher remarked, quote, Jim Carrey was a gentleman and Tommy Lee was threatened by him. I'm tired of defending overpaid, overprivileged actors. I pray I don't work with them again. Jesus. <laughs> Jim Carrey was a gentleman. That just keeps surprising it's me. It's amazing, right? He's like just, he's the biggest movie star in the world and he's just happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I never would have, I know this is speaking kind of shit about Jim Carrey, but this is just what I always thought of him. I never pictured him as a class act. But apparently, yeah. Super chill dude. At this time, especially. Yeah. The soundtrack proved successful as well. U2 did a song for the movie, their hit single, Hold Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me, Thrill Me, which charted at number one in Ireland. And Seal's Kiss from a Rose charted at number one in the U.S. and won three Grammys for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance 
Record of the Year and Song of the Year. And I love both of these songs. Yes. <laughs> of course. You two played that at when I was when I saw them oh, in Vegas. That's great. It was pretty awesome. Batman Forever has an IMDb score of 5.4, Rotten Tomatoes score of 39%. And that's not even the lowest of the Batman franchise. It was a box office hit, grossing $336 million on a budget of $100 million, surpassing Batman Returns box office gross. In fact, it was the second highest grossing film of 95 behind Toy Story. The film was nominated for three Oscars, Best Cinematography, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Sound Editing. And let's go through the plot of this train wreck. Hell yeah. Batman Forever. Forever. <laughs> so... We open on Goldenthal's theme. Yes. The Warner Brothers logo morphs into the Bat logo. And already, I mean, if this is your first time watching it, you're thinking, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Batman. A Tim Burton production. All right. Getting going. All right. Cool. Here it comes. Let's go. Cast comes up. Val Kilmer. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, Val. <laughs> God yeah. damn it. And I'm out. <laughs> we open on Batman suiting up for the... For the night. So ridiculous. Yeah, the zoom-in shots of his ass. All that, like, what the fuck? The belt. <laughs> the fucking giant cod piece. Might as well put fucking clouds up with, bam, pow. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, he's told there's a hostage situation with Two-Face. And the first lines of this movie are Alfred saying, can I persuade you to take a sandwich? And Batman very stoically goes, I'll get drive through Tone setter right there for the next two movies. That's that's what we have to look forward to for two for four hours. <laughs> Dude, after back after Batman and Batman Returns rocking the fucking boat, this is what we get. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've had pent up aggression about this my entire <laughs> life. So now that I have a platform, I've got shit to say. The the first time you see Two Face is the most appalling. Horrible, horrendous, villainous introduction of all time. The makeup is so bad. It's horrible. The costume. And it's as if they're like teasing you like, oh, 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 and here's the other side. <laughs> Not going to lie. I actually really like Two-Face's introduction. I think because Tommy Lee Jones. Sets to- yeah, yeah, yeah. He sets it up <laughs> to be this really cool Two-Face, but then that all goes away almost ex- Almost, very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Like it's ridiculous. Oh, my God. But his, like, the way he tosses his coin and he's talking about the nature of luck, that's kind of brilliant. I like that a lot. It's Two-Face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he turns and he looks like he's got fucking uh, silly putty so on bad. his face. It's so bad. What kind of acid burns your face purple? I don't know. <laughs> None. Whatever is in Gotham, I guess. My God. I don't know. One thing that always bothered me about Two-Face is that it's a perfect divide right down the middle of his face. Yeah. At least perfect. like Dark Knight, there was a little bit of edge in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Made sense. Yeah, it's a little jagged. Yeah, this is just like straight down. You can see the fucking makeup. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. And the costume. It's like a fucking line of it's, Sharpie. It's like he's wearing like Hugh Hefner's robe on half his body. It looks rid- ridiculous. And the coin. The coin just has HD scratched into the other side of it. It's so lazy. They had so much time to make this decent. That's the part that really pisses me off, is this was not made in a weekend. They had a lot of time to make this. $340 million. Yes! 
God, sorry, damn. sorry, sorry. hundred million. Sorry, that's how much it made. I'm sorry. Still, million. yeah, no, that's no. A budget of three hundred million, I'd be fucking. I'd yeah. have a blood vessel yeah, burst yeah, yeah, in my sorry, head I'm right sorry. now. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh. So Two Face has this bank held Ooh. up. He's gonna rob this giant vault. Surprised he didn't have just sacks with dollar signs on them. He's got this one uh, guard, and he's he flips a coin. That was kind of a cool scene. The guy, the guy wins the coin toss. The whole. If you're not familiar with Two Face, his whole shtick is he flips a coin to decide who lives or dies. You get the regular side, you live. You get the scratchy side, you die. That's how he makes all of his decisions. I make my own luck. Yes. (laughs) The only morality in a cruel world is chance. Oh, I miss Aaron Eckhart. Now we're talking. It's tough. You know, I hate thinking... I shouldn't be thinking of other Batman movies when I'm watching a Batman movie. (laughs) Or talking about it, you know? That's how bad it is. Or t- yeah, you just you want to go to the other ones. I yeah. want to watch the other Two Face. I heard McConaughey might be Two Face now. That'd be cool. I don't know. I think he's too Texan. I'm th- I think of Two Face as this like New York attorney. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, got to be. Yeah, somebody like I heard Oscar Isaac being tossed. Which maybe him. they're looking at like the like Wolf of Wall Street type Matthew McConaughey. Maybe. Maybe. We'll but, see. No, I really like I really like the idea of like. Jer- uh, you know, sorry. Um, Jesus Christ. Joaquin Phoenix, Robert Pattinson. Uh, we know our boy Paul Dano is probably going to play the Riddler. Oh, that's been confirmed. That yeah. and Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Yeah, and Colin Farrell, you know. So. It's already shaping up to be Some good names creative. out there, man. And you throw Matthew McConaughey in there? I like that. <laughs> I, like the, I like what he does to that group. He kind of he mixes it up, stirs True, it up. True, but I also don't want it to be too overstuffed. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Batman. I'm, I, I, I love Batman. He's, I he's my favorite. Me too. I don't want a half-assed Batman movie. I want the full ass. <laughs> I want the full ass, just like just like Schumacher does. It just kind of came out. <laughs> well, Batman arrives to solve this hostage crisis, runs into Dr. Chase Meridian, who is immediately like a fucking starstruck fangirl. Yeah, it's like she has a spell cast on her. Yeah, yeah. stupid. And he doesn't, Batman doesn't help. His, like, the, the dialogue is so fucking cheesy. Two-Face is robbing the second Bank of Gotham on the second anniversary of the day he was captured by Batman. So, two-y. Yeah. <laughs> so, Batman goes into the, into the um, bank, fights off the thugs. Tommy Lee Jones is super hammy. I think a big problem Schumacher had with, this, with writing and like filming this movie... I think he failed to realize not every Batman villain is the Joker. You know, Two Face isn't the Joker. Riddler's not the Joker. Yeah, Freeze is not the Joker. It's, they're not all just nut jobs. There's layers to these characters. Yeah, and you don't see any of that in the Schumacher films. Nope. It's they're shame. all just unhinged weirdos. Yeah, yeah. So, Batman fights off Two Face. Uh, follows him in a helicopter. Saves the guy. Saves the. Uh, the guard in the vault, the acid with the hearing aid. That was so goofy. And uh, as Bat- as Two-Face is getting away in the, in the uh, helicopter, Batman gets on the helicopter. Two-Face jumps out with a parachute. And for some reason, they fly into the Statue of Liberty. That just says Gotham on the crown. Like, yeah. We're supposed to accept that fucking sure. Gotham City yeah. has their own Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Come up with a different statue. I mean, Christ. And, uh, yeah, Two-Face gets away, Batman fails. Then we go to Wayne Enterprises, 
we get a brief little news clip of what happened to Harvey Dent. And in the middle of a courtroom, a mob boss threw acid on him. Which is actually what happened in the comic books. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. Legitimate source material, yeah. My favorite part of the news clip is Batman jumping through the crowd to try to stop him, which means during that, Batman was just sitting there yeah. in full costume <laughs> in the middle of the day. Chilling. Did he testify? <laughs> How does that work? I don't know. You never see that in the movies. You never see the, the, the superhero like testify. Actually doing their thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Just like at the stand, yeah. I'd love to see like Green Goblin on trial and Spider-Man just sitting there ask, answering questions. <laughs> at that point, I removed my web slinger and I shot three webs at the perpetrator. Yeah. <laughs> just so matter of That'd be fucking awesome. His eyes were closed. He could not see. And I proceeded to throw three more web slingers at his mouth. <laughs> he could not speak. At that point, my... Citizen's yeah, arrest. Citizen's arrest. That's basically what it fucking is. It's a citizen's arrest. Yeah. Spider-Man is, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they have no jurisdiction. They're just crazy people in, in costumes. Yeah, citizens. <laughs> so, Bruce Wayne's going to Wayne Enterprises to check on the R&D department, I think, maybe, who knows. And he, it's just kind of like a little tiny room with a bunch of random scientists doing shit. There's no really explanation right. on what the job <laughs> is here at Wayne Enterprises. Just, But Edward Nigma works here, and he's nuts. He's obsessed with Bruce Wayne. He tries to impress Bruce with this machine he calls the box which can beam television signals directly into the human brain real creative name there yeah looks like a blender and uh i love that his boss is ed beagley jr which is just great <laughs> and uh bruce turns him down says like no this is kind of nuts we we're, we're not we don't do this at wayne enterprises we don't mess with people's brains and nigma immediately goes to i'm gonna kill you and everything you stand for <laughs> like, yeah immediately game on okay mm-hmm. crazy so, uh, that night, Nigma puts the finishing touches on his device. His boss, Ed Beagley, comes in. What was his name? What was his name in the movie? I don't recall. Yeah. Stickly. 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 <laughs> and Stickly finds him. Nigma hits him over the head with a coffee pot and says the immortal line, Caffeine will kill ya! Jim Carrey, everybody. <laughs> Jimmy. He ties Stickly up and tests the box on him and realizes that a side effect of this machine is he can absorb other people's intelligence. Ah. Which is actually pretty awesome. It's very awesome. What a great That's asset a to have. Perfect Riddler uh, plan there. Yes. Absorb the intelligence of everybody in Gotham. Yes. Didn't fucking help him. Didn't really do anything to him. Cluster fuck. Yeah. Never, he never has any kind of change of all of this brilliance going into his head he's the same asshole yeah. <laughs> at the beginning but he yeah. is at the end <laughs> it's like it all cancels out yeah. yeah it's funny so um to make sure stickley doesn't talk enigma throws him out the window and somehow creates a perfect computer generated image of stickley jumping out the window yeah which that that doesn't come up that's fucking brilliant right there that's next generation Shit, we can't do that now. No. <laughs> Ugh. Love when they gloss over life-changing technology <laughs> in movies like this. In the 90s, yeah. <laughs> so, Nigma quits the, quits the job, starts sending Bruce riddles that all point to his identity in the most convoluted fucking way. We'll get to that later. And weird that nobody ever suspects, you know... 
the weird unhinged guy at Wayne Enterprises who just quit after the mysterious death of his boss, who also has question mark shit all over his desk. Yes. <laughs> Nobody, world's greatest detective, couldn't figure that one out. <laughs> huh, what's with these question marks? <laughs> so Bruce starts seeing Dr. Chase Meridian, a psychiatrist who's obsessed with Batman, and he is having a recurring uh, dream of his father's, his parents' funeral in this red book that never really gets a lot of explanation. Nope. That's pretty much ignored through the... I, like, forgot about that whole yeah. whole bit. Through the Schumacher films, the whole idea... Like, Bruce Wayne as a character gets pretty much throat kicked to the curb. And uh, he uh, asks her on a date, which seems pretty inappropriate. I mean, she is his doctor. This woman has no scruples. Yeah. But, yeah, he takes her to the circus. And, uh, side note here. This is Gotham City. This is a city known for costume freaks who like to make an entrance and be theatrical. Yes. Why would anybody ever go to the circus in Gotham City? We need a movie, I guess. Jesus Christ. And, of course, you know, Two-Face takes the place over pretty quickly. No security here. No, not at all. No. Only, like, some of the richest, most powerful people in the city going to the circus. Just hanging out, yeah. But no security watching over them. The uh, the circus performers are the Flying Graysons, this acrobatic uh, group with uh, Dick Grayson. Yes. That's where we meet him. He's got an earring because it's the 90s. (laughs) 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 That's right. Two-Face shows up says, you know, I'm going to blow this circus to hell unless Batman comes forward and surrenders his life to him. How the fuck does he know Batman's here? Like, he's crazy. Everyone's here. Is it, doesn't doesn't Gotham feel awfully small sometimes in these movies? Yes. You're like, wait a minute. How are you? How is everyone in this one plaza? Every ma- almost every major character is in the room right now. Riddler's watching it on TV. Yeah. Like, how is that? Yeah. That's a. Is thing. it supposed to be like New York? Yeah. No. no. <laughs> and then Bruce just immediately stands up and screams, "I'm Batman," which people around him heard that. <laughs> For sure. Like, if you're in a, you know, if there's a loud, you know, if you're in a loud area, but somebody right next to you stands up and screams something, you're going to hear that. Yeah. So there's at least... Especially something like that. Yeah, there's at least five people who know who now know Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the Flying Graysons decide to try to stop Two-Face, which is pretty admirable. Dick grabs the giant cartoon bomb and throws it into the river, and it kind of... Explodes a little bit. Didn't seem like that big of a explosion. Pretty sure underwater an explosion is still a pretty big explosion. What did he say? Two hundred six at TNT. I feel like that would do some damage. But whatever. His whole family gets killed by Two Face. They fall onto the circus floor. So Dick loses his entire family to Two Face. Echoing Bruce Wayne losing his parents to yes. the Joker yeah. th- three films earlier. And Bruce, feeling bad for the kid, invites Dick to stay at Wayne Manor. They treat him like a ward of the state, but this kid's like 25. (laughs) He's not a... He's very clearly a grown man. (laughs) So Dick says, you know, thanks but no thanks. And Bruce asks, you know, what next? The circus must be halfway to Metropolis by now. (laughs) 
Uh, don't you drag Superman into this mess. Right, right. <laughs> oh, my God. He's had his two yeah, shitty please, movies. Yeah, please don't. Yeah. Yeah. So Dick says, I'm going to go find and kill Two-Face. That's what's going to happen next. And Bruce says, like, look, that's not going to help. And he says, he tells Dick, like, well, look, you want to fill up your bike before you go? And Dick goes to the garage, starts checking out Bruce's motorcycle collection. Yeah. There's a, a motorcycle called a Black Knight. Huh. And um, Dick decides to stay on for a bit, get some free food. <laughs> and I just want to point out the scene where Dick does his laundry. Because <laughs> it's so fucking weird. It's the weirdest way to let the audience know he can fight. <laughs> he does, like, kung fu laundry. And even Alfred's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you... Maniac. Trust me, that's what we're saying, too. That's what the crowd's saying. So, there's a locked door in Wayne Manor, and Dick wants to know what's behind it. Of course. Alfred says it's the silver closet, but that's not a good enough answer. So, Dick waits for Alfred to go in there, and then Kung Fu his Kung Fu's his way across the main hall to go in that. It was the weirdest. Just go down the fucking stairs. So stupid. He's clearly desperate for attention. Yeah. And he goes into, he slides into the room... Like, goes straight through the hidden door that's not so fucking hidden. And falls down the stairs to the Batcave. And, of course, there's a voice that yells intruder alert, but nobody does anything about it. There's no security system in the Batcave. No, it's just just someone saying intruder alert. And Alfred just looks at him like, hmm, what are you doing? And later on, Bruce is having a meeting with Chase again. And Alfred calls him on his fucking video watch... Another thing that did not exist in fucking 95. And <laughs> says, excuse me, Master Bruce, but Dick took the car. And he's like, what? He stole the Bentley? He's like, no, the other car. He's like, what? The Jag? The other, other car. You were there, Alfred. Why didn't you stop him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he knows Kung Fu. How about you take the keys? Jesus Christ. So yeah, Dick stole the Batmobile and is just driving down the town. Driving through Gotham. <laughs> Ugh. Chaos. Yeah. Mayhem. <laughs> so during all this, Nigma has decided he wants to be a supervillain. After seeing Two-Face trash the circus, he's yeah. inspired, and he starts going through names on and costumes on his computer. He wants to be, what is it, the, uh, the puzzler. <laughs> then the gamester, and then Captain Kill. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And he settles on the Riddler, and he goes to Two-Face's uh, lair, which was really easy to find. Yeah, way too easy to find. And actually, this is my favorite scene in the movie, when Riddler shows up and introduces himself to Two-Face. So good. Like, you can call me the Riddler. Two-Face grabs him like, who the fuck are you? Get the hell out of my place. Like, it's so aggressive. <laughs> who the fuck are you? How did you find this place? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like that his his lair is like divided by good and evil. And yes. He's got like Drew Barrymore and like Republican conservative like meal over here. And then like fucking devil's mistress over yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking, he's got like a, a cigarette and like a black cigarette over here. It's a fucking, it's, it's cute. It's, yeah. It's kind of stupid, but Good it's fun, but yeah, yeah. So Riddler says he found Two-Face's lair. He tells Two-Face, that's never going to heal if you don't stop picking. <laughs> Fuck, man. 
Uh, Nygma's got some balls. Yes, he does. <laughs> he tells Two-Face that he knows how to flush Batman out. He's going to help him get him. Yeah. In exchange, uh, Two-Face is going to help Riddler steal a whole bunch of money so he can finance his box project. Which, I mean, looking at the prototype, seems like he doesn't need capital. He right pulled off. He pulled that off pretty. Especially, he could have done this legally, especially so dangerous. Yeah, like he had everything he needed. There's no reason he couldn't have patented this and done this entirely legally. He just really hates Bruce Wayne. Yeah, <laughs> that's what this is all about. Ugh. So Two Face and Riddler team up, and they start trashing the town. Which it's kind of interesting. Like, where the hell is Batman when they're robbing casinos and museums and jewelry stores. Yeah. Is he just dating Nicole Kidman this whole time? I guess so. Like, just ignoring the fucking bat signal? (laughs) Convenient. Yeah, whenever it's convenient. Oh, my God. So, back to Robin. Oh, wait, sorry. Dick. He's not Robin yet. He pulls over to assist a girl in trouble and fights who I think is this universe's version of Black Mask. The weird neon guy. Yeah. Yeah, neon mask. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And uh, he fights off some gangsters, saves the girl. They come at him. Batman shows up. They all flee, and Dick starts punching Batman. Very emotional. It's actually some decent acting from Chris O'Donnell in this scene. He just says, like, if you told Two-Face you were at the circus, my family would be alive. And he just kind of collapses into Batman's <laughs> arms. It's, there's some strong moments in this movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a bad, you know. It's not all yeah. shit. Like, we're being fair here. The stakes are high at times, yeah. Yeah. So... Bruce and Dick go back to, to, uh, to the Batcave, and Dick pretty much is insisting, like, I'm going to be your partner now. And Batman's like, uh, what the fuck, when? Who, who said what now? <laughs> I, I work alone, buddy. Who the hell are you? I work alone. Yeah. And <laughs> Dick says, like, well, I got to have a name, like Batboy or Nightwing. Ah, ha, ha, ooh. Nightwing. <laughs> how about that? I wish Bruce had said, like, how about Dickhead? How about that? Or something like that. <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah. But Bruce is pretty insistent. Like, no, you're a kid. Like, I'm not taking you out there. Like, you know, I don't want you getting hurt. And Dick's like, you know, Two-Face killed my family. Like, your family wasn't killed by a maniac. You don't know what it's like. And Bruce is like, yeah, I fucking do. Joker killed my family. Yeah. Yeah. I got Jack Nicholson. You got Tommy Lee. Like, who's who's going to win here? Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on now. Let's be real. Mm. <laughs> so uh actually yeah a different actor is who killed uh that's true it was that weird slender faced yeah, guy yeah as Napier yeah tell me something kid you ever dance with the devil by the pale moonlight yeah creepy <laughs> see you around kid yeah that voice weird yeah. slow mode voice yeah 1989 that's the one thing I do not like about Burton's Batman I don't like the Joker killed his parents. Yeah. Nah. Not for me either. Undermines the whole journey. Yep. I think I've covered, I think I've talked about this in the past. We did. Yeah. yeah. Well, because we did that huge Joker. We yeah. did. Yeah. I brought that up there. So if you want to hear my thoughts on that, listen to that one. I think that's episode 30. That was a, that was a very fun bonus. Yeah. Or Weird Shit Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> so Nigma has formed his own company kind of overnight. Yeah. Like, the IRS is going to tear his ass apart. There's a big paper trail. This Batman doesn't even need to be here. This like this is gonna crumble on its own. Yeah. But Nigma Tech releases the box, which beams TV directly into the brain, but also 
you know, it's, it's bestsellers. Everyone got them has one and it's sucking out people's brainwaves, putting them in Riddler's head and it's driving him fucking bananas. He's going nuts over this. And uh, Riddler, or Enigma, hosts a business party promoting the box. Bruce attends and is kind of cordial about it. Enigma's a douchey gloat. Like, yeah, I did this, not you. Ha 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 ha. Fuck you, man. Take the win. Just just take the win. Right. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) that's when Two-Face crashes the party, but not before Bruce tries out the new and improved machine, which can beam images into the mind, give you your kind of like your own fantasy, which nobody is going to use to go on vacation. Everybody is going to use this to jerk off. We all know that. (laughs) So, <laughs> Two Face crashes the party, and tells Nigma like we're tired of waiting, like we're gonna we're gonna flush him out. And of course, Bruce Wayne goes and changes pretty quickly, and emerges as Batman, fights Two Face off, and Two Face ends up trapping him in a like a like a construction site or something. Essentially. He gets covered in debris and Robin shows up out of nowhere and saves his life. He's wearing the flying Grayson outfit and a shitty mask. He looks just like 60s Robin. Nice little nod. And uh, Bruce's reaction is, what the hell were you thinking? Dick's like, "Uh, you're welcome, asshole. (laughs) Yeah, it reminds me of the uh, Iron Man, Spider-Man relationship. Yeah, a bit. If Spider-Man was like a raging douche. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Tom Holland's not capable. <laughs> yeah, and Iron Man had no charisma at all. And a weird thing with his lips. Robert Downey Jr.'s not capable of oh, no. being as uh, douchey as Val Kilmer, I don't think. Oh, no way. Probably not. Mm-mm. So, uh, you know, Dick's kind of pissed because Batman, you know, Batman's pretty ungrateful about this. Chase realizes she's fallen in love with Bruce Wayne, her patient, real A-plus doctor there. And she's so in love with him, she's not in love with Batman anymore. And she tells Batman, like, we're over, even though they never were anything. Yeah. And as Batman's walking away, he does this really creepy smile. Batman should never smile. No, not especially like that. It's unnatural. Only when, like, when Michael Keaton smiled in Returns right before he killed that dude with the bomb, that was okay. <laughs> it was fucked up, but it was okay. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> and Bruce fucking gives up being Batman because he wants to be with Chase. What a terrible Batman. In the middle of Two-Face and Riddler's crime wave, yeah, Bruce is just like, fuck it. Here's this era yeah. in Gotham that you need to defend your city. And yeah, Not my department. What the fuck? It's not my jurisdiction, man. Yeah. And Robin's like, are you crazy? Like, They're out there. And he's like, not my problem. What? I want a life. Why don't I get to have a life? Because you're Batman, asshole. Because you're Batman. You did this. They're yeah. all here because of you. Yeah, dumbass. Yeah. Like, ugh. They have dinner, and Bruce tells Chase that he's Batman by kissing her, and she realizes, these are Batman's lips. And... That was dumb, and then it happened again in Spider-Man. <laughs> I hate that reveal. It's so corny. Riddler and Two-Face arrive, because they've realized through Bruce's uh, box session 
that he's Batman. Yes. Which Bruce should have fucking known that was going to happen. Right. And <laughs> they attack Wayne Manor and they do, they like pose as trick or treaters. It was really stupid. They knock Alfred out. Riddler blows up the Batcave, trashes all the costumes, destroys the Batmobile. And they kidnap Chase. Two Face is in the corner flipping the coin until he gets the one he wants. Two Face would never do that. Nope. Two Face flips once and accepts that as God. Yeah, it keeps moving. Yeah, he doesn't say like no. It's not an eight, it's not a magic eight ball. It's his only decision making tool, and he gets you know kill eventually. Shoots Bruce, grazes him in the head. He falls down the stairs. Two Face puts a gun to his mortal enemy's head, and Riddler says, "Don't kill him. He needs to know who I am first. Yeah, and Two Face just goes along with this. The Two-Face we've learned throughout this whole movie hates Batman more than anything, wants him dead more than anything. Just like, yeah, all right. Sure, fine, man. (laughs) You got to have your win, too. Yeah, we've only been making... You know, this movie's only been on for an hour and 50 minutes. That's fine. Two-Face would have blown Bruce's head head off, then turned the gun on Riddler, flipped a coin, and made a decision. Yeah. That's what would have happened right there. 100%. Ugh. So... Using the random riddles that have been left around, they all have numbers in them that correspond to the letters of the alphabet, and Bruce makes this amazing leap in logic that two of the letters are actually, two of the numbers are actually 18, which means it's M-R-E, or Mr. E. Yes, Mr. E. And another word for mystery is an enigma, so it's Mr. E-nigma. God. (laughs) The leaps in logic. I don't want to do puzzles with Bruce Wayne. No, hell no. Reminds me of the 1966 Batman the movie where they're deducing who, like, which villains are involved. And Robin goes, it took, the attack took place at C. C for Catwoman. Like, yeah, that's about as much logic as this took. <laughs> so Bruce, now knowing he's got to go save Chase, says, you know, are all the suits destroyed? And Alfred's like, well, all but that really secret special one you invented last week. Like, we'll break it out. Let's go. And he puts on this silver bat suit with sonar capabilities. We get a nice zoom in on Batman's ass. And um, that's when Robin comes out of nowhere and says, like, hey, you need some help. And Bruce is like, who's uh, who's your tailor? And looks at Alfred like, we're going to talk later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Quit choosing my sidekicks. <laughs> he does his shit again in the next movie. Hell yeah. <laughs> and they have the, like, you know. We're not just friends, we're partners <laughs> moment. Like, this is not earned. None, <laughs> None of this is earned. Not at all. And they take Batman takes the bat plane or the bat wing, which goes through that super complicated maze of tunnels. Never understood to, that. To get on the outside. It's not just a straight shot. Yeah. Like, okay. Were you going through like the whole fucking mountain before you made it out the top? Ugh. Talk about a time waster. And then he just gives Bat, uh, Robin the keys to the Bat Boat like he's going to know how to drive this thing. Yeah, for a two-hour movie, there's a lot of, like, just dumb filler. Oh, yes. Just like, oh, okay. And they head over to Riddler's uh, lair, which Riddler put a big question mark in the sky to let them know where he is. And uh, Riddler and Two-Face play Battleship with Robin's boat, and they sink him. Robin ejects, and then they shoot a laser... At, Ro- at Batman, shoot the Batwing out of the sky. They get into the hideout. They manage to get to the f- top. Robin gets captured after he fights Two-Face and decides, I'm not a killer. 
which is the worst time to decide that. Just so much, con- so many convenient moments in this. Like, yeah. <sighs> Terrible writing. And Robin could totally be a killer. Have you met this Batman? He's a homicidal maniac. Yeah. He kills so many people. Ah. <laughs> oh. And, uh, Batman gets to the top of the room. He meets Riddler, who's now in this, like, white and green getup. He looks like a nightmare. And he's like, I am God. I am the smartest son of a bitch alive. And your friends are going to die. He shows he's got Chase and Robin in two separate tubes. And the riddle is Batman has to pick one. He can't say both. He's got to pick one. But before Riddler can launch the tubes... Batman gives him a riddle and says, you know, I am, what does he say? I see without seeing, it's a bat, I don't fucking know. (laughs) And Riddler answers it, and then that's when Batman uses the sonar and throws a big-ass batarang at Riddler's control glass nodule, which is really easily breakable. Yes. And all of the intelligent brainwaves fly out of his head. And he hits the button. Chase and Robin go down the tube. Batman saves both of them because, of course, he's Batman. Yeah. He gets them all to the top, and that's when Two-Face kind of like, ah, comes out of nowhere. And he's like, you thought you could escape, but I'm going to get you both. Ah. And it wasn't for you meddling kids. Yeah. Batman says, you know, aren't you forgetting something, Harvey? Your coin. And suddenly, Harvey Dent comes out. He's like, you're right, Bruce. Sorry I came to this. You were always a good friend. It's weird. Very strange. Little Harvey Dent there. That's when Batman throws like a fucking handful of coins at Two Face, and Two Face like ah, and falls off the into the watery grave, and the, the coin lands in his hand. I like that little touch. <sighs> that was kind of cool. <laughs> Create your own luck. So they go back into the room, and Riddler looks. He's got long hair again, which was yeah, a little weird. I don't really know what that has to do with it. And he just goes, "Why can't I kill you? Are you serious? You've had so many opportunities." Ah. <sighs> Ugh. Don't know, man. So Riddler gets taken to Arkham. He claims he knows who Batman is. Chase goes to talk to him, and he goes, I'm Batman, and is clearly insane. Chase tells Bruce that the secret's safe with her. She's not going to tell anybody. And it's implied they're going to keep dating, but clearly that's not going to work out. There's a lot of exes out there who know Batman's identity. Yeah. Probably not good. Probably not a good thing, yeah. And Bruce... You know, continues to be Batman. He's going to be Batman forever. Uh, uh-huh. It's not because he has to be, but because he chooses to be. Yes. That's right. That's the lesson. The suit chooses you. That's right. Now Robin's here, so he's got to deal with that guy. <laughs> what a fucking mess. And that's not even the worst one. That's the good one. <laughs> Oy vey. Wow. All right, well... The success of Batman Forever, financial, not critical, meant a sequel was inevitable. Of course. Thus, 1997's Batman and Robin was born with director Joel Schumacher hammering the nail into Batman's coffin with a film that is so horrendously ridiculous that Warner Brothers feared nobody would ever take Batman seriously again. Val Kilmer left the project due to commitments with The Saint, also because everyone fucking hated him and he didn't want to deal with this again meaning Joel Schumacher got his wish and could finally recast the role of Batman. Schumacher again pushed for Billy Baldwin, 
But the role ultimately went to future Oscar winner and star of NBC's ER, George Clooney. Yes. Why did Schumacher want Billy Baldwin so bad? No idea. <laughs> That's so strange. Of all people. I guess they're friends. I don't know. George Clooney has won two Oscars in his career, one for his performance in 2005's Syriana and another for producing 2012's Argo. He's been nominated in several categories. Best Actor for his performances in 2007's Michael Clayton, 2009's Up in the Air, and 2011's The Descendants. Best Director for 2005's Good Night and Good Luck, and Best Screenplay for 2005's Good Night and Good Luck and 2011's The Ides of March. He's a very talented artist, a Coen Brothers favorite, and the worst big screen Batman of all time. 100%. And he's very aware of it. He's been known to give people their money back if they approach him in public and say they hated the movie. But he credits the film with breaking him into Hollywood, and he doesn't regret doing it at all. He keeps a poster of this movie in his house to remind him constantly how far he could fall. Which is good. That's a cool way of how he, like his perspective now, and how he's appreciative of it, but also realistic about it. Yeah, because he was, you know, he's a TV guy. He was a star of ER, yeah. so this yeah. was a huge breakout role for him. And it very easily could have completely annihilated his film career. Yeah. But he took it as a stepping stone. He used it to get better roles, and he built a career for himself. But he yeah. never forgot that he did Batman and Robin. <laughs> so good. Good. Patrick Stewart was considered for the role of Mr. Freeze, but ultimately the script was rewritten to accommodate action movie star and future governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Star of Predator, True Lies, Kindergarten Cop, and the Terminator franchise, and easily the most entertaining part of this dumpster fire. Oh, He's yeah. clearly enjoying himself the entire time. Yeah. And if you thought the dialogue for Forever was bad, fuck me, man. This is something else. Every other line is a fucking one-liner. And Freeze, I've seen 10-minute video supercuts of just the Freeze puns from this movie, and it's, it's beautiful. It's a sight to see. Cool, cold, frosty, winter. It's so ridiculous. Oscar nominee Uma Thurman was cast as Poison Ivy. She was nominated for her performance in 1994's Pulp Fiction and would, I think, suffer a bit of a career setback with this film before Tarantino cast her in his Kill Bill saga. She didn't do really anything of note. This and then a movie from 98 called The Avengers. No connection to the Marvel movies. Yeah. Based on a British TV show bombed so hard it really put her back so that's a shame but not the worst career uh blowback from this one here's the worst alicia silverstone was the only choice to play batgirl she was the breakout star of 1995's clueless and this film pretty much destroyed any chance of her having a promising career she's had moderate success over the years but she never got to be an a-lister and i think her and chris o'donnell are the ones who suffered the most career-wise Agreed. Because they were the smallest people. No one else had, everyone else had like the clout to bounce back. They didn't. Yeah. Wrestler Jeep Swenson was cast in the role of Bane, a mindless, clueless killing machine that serves Poison Ivy. This was a big deviation from the comics that alienated fans further, as Bane is arguably Batman's most intelligent adversary on top of being a physical threat. So the fact they made him a mute idiot really put fans off. Swenson appeared in only five movies before his death in 1997 at age 40, just two months after the release of Batman and Robin. 
Swenson was 400 pounds and suffered a massive myocardial infarction, which doctors said they couldn't do anything about until he lost about 100 pounds. He died days later of heart failure. Yeah. Jeez. And you look at him in this movie, he is roided the fuck up. Yeah. So that's not really a surprise. Screenwriter Akiva Goldsman would go on to win an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay for 2001's A Beautiful Mind. He's also responsible for writing the films Lost in Space, Practical Magic, iRobot, The Da Vinci Code, I Am Legend, Angels and Demons, Transformers The Last Night, and The Dark Tower. He also developed the TV series Titans on the DC Universe streaming service, and I can't believe anybody let this guy touch another DC property. I know. And you look at his track record, and it's kind of hit or miss. Yeah. I mean, he made, you know, Da Vinci Code, which I love, Practical Magic, which I love, then he made the fucking Dark Tower. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. Not a surprise. Ugh. Batman and Robin has an IMDb score of 3.7. Rotten Tomatoes score of 11%. Woo! It grossed only $238 million on a budget of $160 million. Was, oh my gosh. It was poorly received by critics so badly that the follow-up film was canceled. Some sources call this film Batman Triumphant. Others call it Batman Unchained, but the story remains the same. Batman faces off against Scarecrow and Harley Quinn, now Joker's daughter in this version. Using the fear toxin, Scarecrow would bring the Joker back in Batman's mind, and producers were hoping they could entice Jack Nicholson to return. Scarecrow is going to likely be played by Nicolas Cage as well. So, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The movie was canceled and Batman went through many different versions before it ended up in the hands of Christopher Nolan with 2005's Batman Begins, which ultimately saved the franchise from the brink of oblivion. Yes. And let's go into the plot of Batman and Robin. Ooh, boy. All right, here we go. So juicy. Oh, my God. So this is about two years after Two-Face and Riddler. That's never really explained. I don't really know why that's here. Batman and Robin are... You know, they got beefed up suits. They look ridiculous. Yep. And we didn't bring it up for forever because it's a lot more noticeable here. Nipples. Nipples everywhere. <laughs> the bat suits. Pepperonis. Yeah. The bat suits have rubber nipples. Except for Batgirl, which I find weirdly disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's interesting. But clearly Schumacher has a fetish here. Yes. I don't need to know that. Neither do I. Keep your fetishes out of my Batman movie. Especially that blatant. Yeah. There's so many shots of cod pieces and rubber ass in this movie. It's insane. Like, it was a little bit subtle in Batman Forever. They were still trying to do something. But here they're like, fuck it. There was substance in that movie. This time, they're making a fucking cartoon. Let's up the budget by 60 mil and just go for it. Oh, yeah. God damn. Can you imagine? $160 million budget. That, That doesn't make sense. Ugh. This movie's so bad. So they get a, their first line, Robin, they look at the Batmobile, which has like a fucking disco ball in the middle of the the hood now. Yeah. And Robin goes, I want a car because chicks take the car. Batman looks at him and goes, this is why Superman works alone. I told you not to drag Superman into this. Every line is that fucking cheesy. Yep. So they're driving out for the night. Gordon calls them on a little TV screen, which makes me wonder, like, why do we have the bat signal if you can just call Batman? <laughs> Isn't that a lot more like convenient yeah, yeah, yeah. than just shining a light in the sky? 
And hope that he sees it. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, a new villain is robbing the Gotham Museum. He calls himself Mr. Freeze. And Batman's just like, huh, Mr. Freeze. Okay. You know what always bugged me? Victor Freeze is a doctor. Why is he not calling himself Dr. Freeze? I don't know. Why would you take away your medical degree when you become a supervillain? Don't know. Would you be afraid of Mr. Doom? <laughs> no. Dr. Doom. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Octopus? Yeah, no. That sounds not. like a fucking BDSM guy. Like, <laughs> doctor instills fear. Yes. Mr. Strange? Like, come on, guys. Yeah, no, I agree with you. <laughs> this has bugged me for years. Because it's stupid. <laughs> it's like they just didn't think. Ugh. So they, Batman and Robin head to the museum where this giant Arnold Schwarzenegger-looking guy is bright blue, big old suit of armor, shooting security guards with an ice gun. And at first, you're kind of like, ooh, who's this? But then he starts talking. <laughs> oh, I know who that is. Yeah. Your decision has left me cold. <laughs> like, God damn it. Every line. And... He kills a lot of people. <laughs> like So many. Many, many people. He's like a terrorist. Like right? I feel like his redemption doesn't is not earned at the end of this movie. No. He kills, I think, more people than Joker does in like Jack Nicholson's Joker. I think Freeze has the highest body count of this franchise. Uh, any Batman, yeah. Oy. But um they're fighting. They uh Freeze has turned the whole place into ice. Batman and Robin click their heels together. Ice skates come out of their boots, which they didn't know they were going to fight Mr. Freeze. No. So they just have that. Like, yeah. that's default. Just ready. That and, like, the heater lasers. They just have those on hand. God damn it. So stupid. So Freeze, uh, they, they knock Freeze's uh, freeze gun out of his hands. It ends up on this giant pillar to get it back. My favorite part of the movie, he just throws a fat guy. <laughs> He just throws this giant dude up, and then you just hear him, ah, like, fall yeah. back down. Easily my favorite part of the movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've watched that on loop on YouTube. Good. It makes me laugh every time. Yeah, good, good. You should. So, they're skating around, they're trying to get this giant-ass diamond, and eventually Freeze gets the diamond, and in the weirdest escape, he launches a rocket out of his weird, like, spike car, and it's just rocketing away yeah into the atmosphere batman and uh he's got batman's on board robin's scaling the outside of the rocket with his robin gloves and uh batman gets frozen to the side of the rocket like inside weirdly he's got like thumb loops i don't know how freeze did that <laughs> and freeze says like can you feel it to the icy cold of space like it's ridiculous and <laughs> <laughs> Each line is dumber than the, the you know than the last. Your heart will freeze. <laughs> it's so stupid. And freeze fucks off, leaves Batman to blow up in this rocket that's gonna crumb. He's gonna blow up the city. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how that helps your plan at all. Like, isn't he trying to get diamonds to fund his wife's disease research? Isn't his wife in the city? <laughs> Why would throwing a rocket on top of this place? Help you in any help way. Help anyone, yeah. Ugh, this is so nonsensical. Robin shows up, uses his heat laser to get Batman out. They use the doors of the rocket as fucking surfboards and surf down through Gotham. That's not... I, I'm not going to apply logic to this movie. Yeah. I can't do it. 
Oh, it's impossible. Yeah. They blow up the rocket with a bat bomb. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> they get the freeze. Robin gets the diamond. Freeze ends up in a smokestack. They freeze the smokestack. Or he freezes the smokestack. He fights Batman off. Robin jumps at him. Batman goes, Robin, no, but doesn't do anything actively to stop him. And Freeze freezes Robin, grabs the diamond, fucks off, says, you got to either catch me or save the bird. Batman chooses Robin, unfreezes him with the heat laser. Good thing yes. they had that in the back pocket. Yeah, I had to have that heat laser. Yep. Robin just goes, do we get him? Uh. <laughs> and that's when we go to Brazil, where we meet Dr. Pamela Isley, who's a botanist who's obsessed with like making plants and, and crossbreeding with animals to make them like def- able to defend themselves. It's, it's, it's stupid. And she's working for Dr. Jason Woodrow, John Glover, one of my favorites. Fuck yeah. He's experimenting with this drug called Venom. He's got a like cabal of terrorists just watching his experiment and says, all right, I have this stuff that can create killing machines and do it to, uh, I'm, here's an example I'm forgetting a word here demonstrate that's the word there you to, go to demonstrate I'm gonna show you this multiple murderer beefed up as a fucking Hulk so he brings out Antonio Diego this tiny little weird guy and drills holes into his head and pipes in like pumps venom into his into his veins and it's actually kind of a freaky scene where he like you know f- it emerges into this hulked out beefy dude yeah. screaming like his voice gets super low. It's actually kind of freaky. It is. And that's where we get Bane as yeah. he constantly screams. And Woodrow says, the bidding starts at 10 million. <laughs> and he sees Isley is watching him and she's like, what the hell are you doing with my research? You've created super soldiers. How dare you? Oh my God. And Woodrow's like, well... Now I gotta kill you, and pushes her into the plants, and she gets showered in toxins and plants, and sinks into the earth, never to be seen again. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's obviously dead for the rest of the movie. We don't see her again ever. <laughs> so, as Woodrow's talking to the bidders, trying to get Bane sold, Isley comes back as Poison Ivy, now infused with venom and plants, somehow. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. Nobody. We don't need to know that. It's not important. We just move on. Yeah. yeah. She kisses Woodrow because her lips contain venom and she can kill with a kiss. Poison Ivy's signature move. And she's not bad, Umar Thurman. She's just... It's the writing. Again, yeah. It's really the writing. So bad. Oof. They turn it's, her into a caricature. It's like he wrote a sentence on each page and was like... Eh. The board. For perspective, uh, if you've played the game Batman Arkham Knight, yeah. Poison Ivy's one of the strongest characters in that game. Yeah. She actually has, you know, some some sense of self and purpose and personality. She's not just a walking, you know, pheromone. Yeah, yeah. So she starts, you know, destroying the bo- the, the lab, saying, you know, I'm Mother Nature and I'm going to fuck this place up. Not in the, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but <laughs> <laughs> she sees one of the bottles that says Wayne Enterprises and she decides, yep, I'm going to go deal with that. So I don't know how she makes that connection. She goes to find Bane, who's in the same exact pose he was earlier, which 
leads me to believe that for the past like three days, he's just been standing there going, bang! Yeah. <laughs> Which would be hilarious. I don't want to spend $10 million on that. <laughs> this one's broken. <laughs> uh, so she decides to go to Gotham with Bane to do something with Wayne Enterprises. It's not very clear. And Alfred's niece shows up to Wayne Manor, Barbara Wilson. And Robin is not very subtle about how, you know, his attraction to her. And uh, she's there. She's there to take care of Alfred because he's dying of McGregor syndrome, a fake disease that also affects Freeze's wife. Yes. Pretty convenient. And uh, Wayne Enterprises is doing this uh, this benefit for a giant telescope because this is Gotham City and they need another giant-ass statue. And they're having a press conference and Pamela Isley shows up and is like, hey, you're Bruce Wayne and you're powerful enough to do this, so why don't you right. <laughs> help me by cutting off funding to everything that hurts plants in this city? And Bruce is like, uh... Security? <laughs> no. Check, please. And she's like, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but people suck and plants are incredible and you need to do this. And he's like, uh, people come first. And she's like, you're going to regret this. And nobody nobody catches on. Ah, Everyone's so stupid in these movies. So... very. Uh, I think that's actually Nolan's strongest... Um strongest the strongest thing in his trilogy is the characters are are all smart yeah uh penny you know lucius fox you know christian bale's bruce wayne um joker you know aaron eckhart's two-face uh maggie gyllenhaal's katie holmes you know they're all really smart characters yeah and uh it, it feels like it feels like a game of chess at all times in nolan's trilogy yeah whereas this is just such shoddy writing and we just look at bane alone yeah yeah and he plays gotham like a heart from hell yeah yeah, <laughs> you adopted it. I was born in it. Yeah. Ugh. I miss Bane, the real Bane, <laughs> the real Bane. <laughs> so Batman and Robin decide to help participate in a charity <clears throat> event to lure Freeze out with a big ass diamond, and it's incredibly demeaning what they're doing. They're auctioning off women, basically, essentially. Yeah, to rich people. Joel Schumacher is not the most respectful guy to uh, the female. Gender. What makes you say that? The uh, which part? <laughs> the high heels on the Batgirl suit, or the auctioning off the women? Or, or how about Nicole Kidman's Nicole character Kidman. altogether? Yeah, Poison Ivy. Yeah, Bruce Wayne's fiance who has like two lines. Yeah. <laughs> Misogynistic prick. <laughs> Another thing, no one was good at. His again, his characters were good, so and his female characters were good. Yeah, because he's a good writer. Okay, I, I love Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns. She's, like, actually, like, in it, you know? Like, making moves and doing things, and she's I, strong. I love her. There's scenes where she's only in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like when she's at that mall and she fucks with those cops, like... Yeah. That was cool. Uh, so My good. only issue with Batman Returns is her Catwoman. Burton, I don't think, did any research and was very much focused on the cat part of that. Yeah, yeah. And that that was a little irritating at times. For sure. But For sure. That's doesn't it. it doesn't age too well, but yeah, she's like gorgeous. That yeah. suit's so cool looking. It looks homemade. It looks yeah. like a, an unhinged woman made that. I love it. Yeah, I love it. 
I love her immediate transformation when she gets home and she just trashes her apartment. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's very clear this is a different person. Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. No human being would drink milk like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I just, yeah, her, her, her eyes and her hair, yeah, it's all, it's all really perfect. She's, she's great. So at this party, Poison Ivy crashes it, uses pheromone dust to get everybody in there, give everyone in there the hots for her, including Batman and Robin. And they start bidding on Poison Ivy. Robin starts bidding with Bruce Wayne's money, which I think is interesting. Pretty funny. And then in what might be the most cringe-inducing moment of this movie, which is really saying something, Batman whips out a credit card and says, never leave the cave without it. Whew. (sighs) And that's... Don't worry, I'm a limo driver. (laughs) How was your day? Not bad. Fell off the jetway again. (laughs) Our pants are falling off! I don't know why... I don't know how we got to Dumb and Dumber, but why not? (laughs) So Freeze shows up, and his first line is, uh, Cool party. Ah, cool. Get it? He steals the diamond. He tr- Ivy tries to seduce him, and Freeze is like, ah, pheromone dust. Nice try. And you can see a little fear in Ivy's eye. Kind of wish Freeze had just snapped her neck right there. Yeah. How funny would that have been? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, nope. <laughs> so because Batman and Robin are fighting over Ivy, Freeze gets away. And uh, they end up chasing Freeze through Gotham City. They're driving on the statues. These super muscular, giant, Adonis-like statues. Did we mention Joel Schumacher is flaming gay? And uh, not that that matters, I just think it's interesting that he put, like, homoerotic statues all over Gotham City. Like, yeah, yeah. Giant, skyscraper-sized statues with no discernible purpose. Yeah. That must be hell for the city planning office. So Freeze is driving on this arm. He's going to make a jump to this other building. And Batman's like, look, you can't make it, Robin. Robin's on the Red Bird, the motorcycle. And Robin's like, no, I can make it. And Batman disables the engine, starts a big old feud between the two of them. Batman takes down Freeze. He gets thrown in Arkham. He's on this little, like, in Arkham, he's in this, like, freeze zone. He's like this, like, one little area where if Freeze exists outside of uh, cold, like, sub-zero temperatures, he's going to die. Which sucks. And one of his guards is Jesse the Body Ventura. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. The one with the eye patch. Or no, the other one. I don't fucking... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Freeze is... Uh... Did we miss the scene where he's making everybody sing Mr. White Christmas? Yeah, yeah. I was, about to, I was going to point that out. Yeah. Ugh. Jesus. Answer me the... How the hell is he smoking a frozen cigar? <laughs> It's it's like uh it's like Bikini Bottom is underwater. And you're like, why are they going to the beach? You know what Vivica A. Fox's character's name is in this movie? Miss B. Haven. <laughs> I found that out today, and I lost what little respect I yeah, had for this movie. Yeah, I was about to say, movie. yeah, it's gone. Yeah, it is gone. A little bit right there has left. Jeez. That's what we learn. Freeze is doing all this for his wife. His wife is dying and she's cryogenically frozen and he's trying to steal all these diamonds so he can make a big old freeze engine which can freeze the entire city which he can then use to ransom millions of cash. It's not a good plan. <laughs> but he thinks this will save his wife. Okay, sure. Whatever helps you freeze at night. 
So in Arkham, Poison Ivy and Bane break him out because they like the cut of his jib. And Ivy thinks, you know, he could be a big help. And uh, their escape scene, you, you get to see a brief uh, look in at the Arkham evidence locker and you see Riddler's hat and Two-Face's costume from the last movie, which is, yeah, cool. I guess. I don't know how they got Two-Face's jacket. I have no he, idea. He died in that. Right. <laughs> Why would that be here? I don't know. <laughs> like it's a hard rock cafe. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. When Bane is like running through the crowd, like going mowing down the security guards with Freeze's armor in his, lo- in his cart, I was just thinking Black Friday. <laughs> As Walmart on Black Friday right there. Just Bane! <laughs> so Freeze and Ivy and Bane escape from Arkham. And meanwhile, Dick uh, follows Barbara to a drag race, which is totally, take you know, weird. It doesn't match the rest of the movie. No, no. Fucking Coolio shows up for one scene. What? Yeah. And they just, you know, they have this horrible CGI drag race. And uh, Barbara confesses to Dick, like, I'm here to take Alfred home. He's dying. And, you know, he's a fucking butler. Like, I don't want him to spend his last days... (laughs) You know, doing your laundry, Mr. Kung Fu socks. <laughs> Batman and Robin are having relationship problems because Ivy is, you know, fucking with them. Robin is in love with her. That, that like, I'm, uh, I'm so out on things that, like, that's, that's like the main plot point. She like, wanted me instead of you. Honestly. Love triangle between superheroes. Well, Batman's like, dude, listen the fuck up. She's drugging you. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 you want her. And he's like, oh, he like emphasizes her name. She was trying to kill you, dick. <laughs> I always like that line. Dicky. Yeah. This is knuck and futz. <laughs> love that, sir. I love that. Ugh. So Bruce eventually convinces Dick to trust him. Trusty Dick. Yep. <laughs> but before this... Ivy cuts the cord on Freeze's wife. Basically, we think she's dead. And she tells Freeze that Batman did it. And Freeze goes apeshit. He's like, you know, I will rip his heart out. It'll freeze in my hands. <laughs> freeze. <laughs> it's got to the point where I can't say the word freeze without putting a little bit of emphasis e. on it. <laughs> I need at least five E's. Yes. And her plan is after Freeze freezes the world, she's going to start life anew with plants. Yeah. That is the most incompatible plan ever. Makes no sense. Yeah. Plants, I'm pretty sure, can't survive in a frozen wasteland. I mean, I'm not a botanist, but I'm fairly certain. I don't think that works. I bet money that I couldn't grow a a patch of roses in the fucking Arctic. <laughs> so, well, yeah, it, just, it doesn't with, make any sense. With Arnold Schwarzenegger constantly telling me, yeah. yeah. Gonna freeze. <laughs> Soil. Water. <laughs> You're not freezing it enough. God, they would, ugh, they would be, he says Adam and evil. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. God. Evil. So, Robin uh, goes to Poison Ivy after she has a Robin signal put in the sky, which is 
ridiculous. Unbelievable. And he's like, well, that's not suspicious at all. I better go handle that like without telling Batman. Like, he's such an idiot. But he agrees to put on rubber lips to block out Ivy's kiss, I guess. Sure. Yeah, because rubber lips are just always like around. Dude, they have everything they could possibly need it, yeah. to catch. Oh, it's ridiculous. So she kisses Robin. Ivy kisses Robin and says like, ah, I got you. You're going to die. And Robin goes, sorry to disappoint you and pulls off the rubber lips. Like, it's so cheesy. You didn't. And then instead of just really quickly kissing him again, she like pushes him away and has her vines drown him. But then Batman shows up and is like, ha ha, no, we're going to get you. And then the, That's vines, my sidekick. the vines get him too. But And he whips out the bat pizza cutter and starts yes. sawing into that. But they're both indisposed. Who's going to save them? Well, could it be Barbara found the bat cave earlier and met like a computer generated Alfred and got a super sexified costume and is there to kick Poison Ivy's ass? Yes, you're right. That's exactly I, what happened. I think that's what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what old Joel boy wrote down. Oh, yeah. And she kicks Ivy's ass, but not before Ivy admits that she tried to kill Freeze's wife. Yeah. And somehow they get that on video, despite nobody having a camera out at the moment. <laughs> Ugh. So, yeah. Ivy gets eaten by her throne plants, but I guess didn't do much because she's in Arkham at the end of the movie. And Batgirl's like, hey, it's me, Barbara. I found the cave. And Batman's like, oh, of course, God, now I got another one. All these kids. So ridiculous. All these kids cramping my style. I miss when I could just throw bombs on clown people and yeah. <laughs> beat the shit out of penguin men. Yeah, that, those were the days. <laughs> those were the days. Remember the parade? Yeah. Good old Danny DeVito. Remember the penguin war? <laughs> Hell, remember fighting Jim Carrey? Damn. I bet he waxes poetic about the old the good old days. Yeah. So Robin, Batman, and oh I'm sorry. Batman, Robin, and Batgirl decide to go after Freeze. And they go to the observatory where Freeze has taken over that telescope, big old telescope. He's turned that into a freeze cannon. Yeah, of course. And when they go there, <laughs> Freeze just goes like into their face and goes, Forecast tonight. A freeze is coming. God damn, man. They couldn't be cornier if they tried. So Gotham's completely frozen. Batgirl and Robin are attacked by Bane. And they defeat him by kicking out his venom tubes. It was incredibly easy to take Bane down. He just falls down. He shrinks back to Antonio Diego, this tiny little dude. Yeah. And it's not really... I forgot. Yeah, it's not really clear what else happens to him. He's just kind of left there. I don't think he gets arrested or anything. No, just like, hey, man, we understand. You were, you, you were Bane. Just don't do anything anymore. Just carry on. This movie is the bane of my existence. Yes. Making me freeze up. So, <laughs> additional plant pun here. Meanwhile, Batman and Freeze are fighting each other. Batman puts a heater on Freeze's armor and says the heat is on. Yeah. He punches him and nothing ever comes of that. <laughs> the heat is on. Batman beats Freeze, but... Oh, we forgot the immortal line earlier when Freeze is preparing... He says, let's kick some ice. Ice. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Hollywood. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Joel Schumacher. Oh, my God. So, uh, 
Batgirl and Robin managed to figure out how to thaw the city using like mirrors and the sun. And oh some yeah, shit. yeah, you know. I don't know. Yeah, but Batman before he, you know he. Freeze blows up the telescope by yelling, freeze in hell, Batman. I love that because it makes no sense. <laughs> so Freeze is now, you know, he's defeated. He's His suit's dying. He's just like, you know what, you got to kill me? Like, you killed my wife. And Batman's like, no, Ivy killed your wife. See, here. And shows the video and Freeze goes. It's, it's a joke. I'm an eye And... Also says, by the way, she's not dead. We saved her. And uh, she's in a lab waiting for you. You know, a friend of mine's dying. You could probably help him out. You want to maybe give me some cures to McGregor stage two or something? I know you've hated each other this whole movie and you've got no reason to trust me. But be be a pal, Freeze. Come on, Vic. Help me out. And Freeze is like, you know what? You make a good point, Batman. I'm going to help you out. Gives him the tubes. Freeze cures Alfred. Freeze goes to Arkham, where he's given full control over a lab where he can keep his research going, and he also is going to fuck up Poison Ivy for life. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and that's, and then, you know, basically, Alfred's cured. Barbara decides to stay on permanently as Batgirl, and they all run towards the camera, and this travesty is over. <laughs> like, so, Batman and Robin... Scored 10 Razzie nominations. 10! And one win for Worst Supporting Actress for Alicia Silverstone. Oh. The nominations were Worst Picture, Worst On-Screen Couple for Clooney and O'Donnell, Worst Supporting Actor for Chris O'Donnell, Worst Supporting Actor for Arnold Schwarzenegger, Worst Supporting Actress for Uma Thurman, Worst Reckless Disregard for Human Life and Public Property, (laughs) Worst Remake or Sequel, Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, and worst original song for The End is the Beginning is the End by Smashing Pumpkins. Wow. <laughs> Ten. Ten. All well deserved. Beautiful. Beautiful. All very well All deserved. All except worst original song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smashing Pumpkins. Their remix of that, The Beginning is the End is the Beginning, arguably my favorite Pumpkins song. It was in the Watchmen trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that song. Yeah, I like the Smashing Pumpkins. But the Corgan guy, yeah. Yeah. I think R. Kelly did the song on the soundtrack. The soundtrack is a a joke. Yeah, no thanks. So that's the Schumacher Batman films and their legacy. Without them, things might not have gotten so bad that DC would take a chance on an up-and-coming indie director, leading to one of the greatest comic book trilogies in film history. Looking back, personally, they're far more entertaining than Zack Snyder's bleak-as-fuck Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, so there's that. Yeah, I'd rather watch these than those. I would rather watch these. Just because they're stupid and fun, yeah. So what do these mean to you personally? Um, Well, I'm I'm very keen on and very obsessed with the mid to late 90s because that's when I was born. Uh, Obviously, the first, you know, this one we talked about is 95, 97, so those are like prime times. The 90s is possibly my favorite decade in film. Yeah, yeah. These... As uh, as I am now, these are both these films are, are fun. Both these films are fun. I give both of them like a six because they, at this point, the fan base is well aware of what they are. At this yeah. point, um, I, I have no you know serious like you know attachment to Schumacher or really any of the actors in them. Even Clooney, I'm not like a massive fan. I like him because of the Cohen stuff, you know. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Descendants. Um, I wish we would have won for that movie, but I, but I don't have like a, you know what I mean? 
I have no draw at all. He's but 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 the Tim Burton stuff is different. I'm a Tim, I'm Burton. You know, I like some of his stuff. I like Jack Nicholson. I like Michael Keaton a lot. The no one one. I have a lot of stake in because I was watching them as they came out into theaters. This is a kind of a lost, obviously like little one two punch that is just so bad. Um, it, it's okay if people want to skip them and forget them, but I'm also okay with okay with two hours of fluff and fun every now and again. Yeah. That's what these are. Yeah. That's what these are. I, but I, but I would never like if someone was like, "Oh, they're good movies." You know, it's just I've never heard that. If somebody had never seen the Batman movies, I would never introduce them no. using these movies. No, I, I wouldn't even like really recommend them. I'd be like, if you're a massive fan of DC, which that means you've already seen them. <laughs> yeah, basically. You know what I mean? If if you're like a kid, maybe, and you like. I'm, I'm interested in Batman. I'm like, go for it, man. Cause there are very fun things and there's, there's, you know, the costume design is so absurd and the, the lighting and yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's ridiculous and it can be fun at times. You know, those one liners are pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, You're not sending me to the cooler. Yeah. Just, oh my Ugh, God. it's pretty bad. I Ice had, for ass. Yeah. I had these both on tape as a kid. Yeah. So they were in my constant rotation. So mm-hmm. I watch these all the time and they're ingrained yeah. in my head. Yeah. They're part of my childhood favorites, so I'm never going to hate these movies. No, I'm not going to hate them Can't either. do it. Yeah. They're terrible movies, admittedly, but they're fun. I'm going to hate something more for trying to be, like, serious or... And, like, it not work. You know what I mean? The biggest sin a movie can do for me is be boring, and these are certainly not boring. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> so, there, there won't be a Friday bonus for you this week, because it's Weird Shit Wednesday. We don't do a Friday bonus for Weird Shit Wednesday. But we will have a bonus on Uncut Gems for you on Sunday. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So look for that. that awesome. Was awesome movie. Great movie. And let's take a look at what happened this week in film. Let's do it. There's a big week. Indeed. It doesn't stop. Trailer time. The trailers for A Quiet Place Part 2 came out, and so did the new trailer for the long-awaited The New Mutants. So Quiet Place Part 2, I think it looks pretty good. Agreed. All the issues I had with the first movie look like they're going to be answered right. in this movie. So <laughs> right, yeah. I think yeah. retroactively, I'm going to revisit the first one, and I think I'm going to like it better. Same. Yeah. Same. And the New Mutants, I think, I wonder if Disney's finally going to let this one go. Maybe. We'll see. I'm not going to get my hopes up, but you know, you never know. If they are going to release it, it's going to be a watered-down version of what Fox intended. Indeed. So, either or, I don't... Maisie Williams doesn't even look like that anymore. <laughs> she looks so young in that movie. Weird. Next up, comedian Neil Innes has died at age 75 of a heart attack. Innes was known for his work with Monty Python, appearing in Life of Brian and Holy Grail. You may recognize him as the singing minstrel who sings about Sir Robin's cowardly exploits. He will be missed. This one was weird. Actress Molly Fitzgerald, who played a minor role as a Stark girl in 2011's Captain America, the first Avenger, has been arrested for stabbing her mother to death. She's being charged with second-degree murder and being held on a $500,000 bond. She said she will represent herself in court. She's going to prison for a long time. Yeah, apparently it was like a heated argument, and she just stabbed her mom to death. Very strange story. Jeez. Kevin Smith has announced he's been working on a script for Mallrats 2, which he's calling Twilight of the Mallrats. Apparently it will involve a convention at the mall, and most of the original cast will likely return. They tend to do that for Kevin Smith. I I like Mallrats. I yeah I adore Kevin Smith. It's stupid, but it's fun. Yeah, and I I really like his mindset now. Yeah, Kevin Smith as like a more you know as a more mature filmmaker these days, and 
uh, mature mind. The way he talks nowadays is just so much different than how he was in the 90s. Yeah. I would love to see him <laughs> do a Mallrats movie today. It'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah. I'd, I'd be there. I'd be in theaters watching I'd be there, it. sure. Yeah. No, yeah. Clerks is forever going to be very important to me. Yeah. He's awesome. Right on, man. Disney has announced a new Star Wars franchise set in the High Republic about 400 years before Good the Skywalker God, saga. dude. <laughs> they will reportedly be standalone movies that connect to one another a la the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And they better give us at least a five-year gap because I'm burned out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, Jesus, dude, this movie just came out and they're already like, all right! Like, fucking give it a yeah. break. They could do anything with this massive franchise and it'll be pretty much financially successful unless you tell Han Solo's story for some reason. <laughs> but everything else, surefire hit. So, you know, I'm going to see it. I'm just, I, I would like a break. I want a break. A break for your own, yeah. Too much own, Star Wars. For your own fandom. And also like, hey, get your shit together, guys. Yes. Like, get your shit together. Come on now. I've heard way too many, I haven't even seen the newest one. I've heard way, way, way too many negative things from big, big Star Wars fans. Yeah. That pisses me off because that's like, Man, that means my friends are going to the theater and they're not happy. Come on. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't understand. You know, it just blows my mind. When this something this massive with this amount of money. We talked about with the Batman movies. With this amount of money around it and you can't, you can't deliver an A-plus movie? Shame on you. Shame. <laughs> Shame. It gets old. It gets old. I, again, I haven't even seen it, but I've heard you and plenty of my friends who are, who are big fans who are just like, nah. Yeah, it's a bummer. Like, nah. It was fine. It was whatever. Next up, Ryan Johnson has begun writing a sequel to Knives Out, which will focus on another case of Daniel Craig's Southern investigator, Benoit Blanc. Okay. Yeah. They want to make him the new Poirot? I'm okay with that. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Sure, but again, you know, I liked Knives Out because of its originality. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. It's just, it's constant sequels and remakes. Just stop. Yeah, didn't Daniel Craig just get out of being Bond? Yeah, now he's going to be in a Knives Out, yeah. maybe a trilogy or something? CSI, KFC. Okay. <laughs> All right, my man. Christian Bale is in early talks for a role in the upcoming Thor Love and Thunder, mm-hmm. set for release next year. No word yet on who he might be playing. Yeah. I've heard Beta Ray Bill or Balder the Brave being tossed around. I'm okay. The fact that Christian Bale's even talking about Thinking this. about it. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Another Oscar winner yeah. to add to the Marvel mix. Thor: Love and Thunder is going to be uh, written and directed by Taika Waititi. So yeah, I'm exactly. One hundred percent. Oh my god! Yeah, I can't wait. I love that guy. Hans Zimmer will be composing the score for the new Bond film, No Time to Die. Fuck yeah! Have you ever been this excited for a Bond film? Yes, but <laughs> which one? Skyfall. Skyfall. And Spectre. This is this is a pretty big spectacle, though. I'm very excited. Hans yes. Zimmer, last last Craig. Yeah. Oh a surefire Spectre adventure. And I've heard rumors, some fans think that Rami Malek's character might actually be a reimagining of Dr. No. Oh, okay. Which would be okay. very interesting. I like that. So, we'll see. I like that a lot. And finally, the Golden Globes were, pa- were this past Sunday. Let's see what the winners were for just the movie awards. We don't really care about TV these days. So, these were the winners for the Golden Globe movies. Uh, movie categories. Best motion picture musical comedy went to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was pretty much the expected front runner. Yeah, it would have been very shocking and strange yeah. if it didn't win. Best motion picture drama went to 1917, set for release this Friday. So we haven't seen it yet. We totally plan to day of because this is a big deal. Yeah. But it's taken all the praise. So yeah, big time. Best motion picture foreign language went to Parasite. 
of course. That was the favorite, and it was well-deserved, too. I saw that movie last weekend. It was insane. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. Best screenplay went to Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and he gave the most self-serving, arrogant speech I've ever seen. He basically said, like, nobody helped me. I did this. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, dude. A little humility goes a long way. Eh. But, it's not, you know, we don't expect that from he him. Also, he also praised Margot Robbie, like, more than most directors ever praised their, their actress. He was like, hugging her the entire night. It's amazing. Like, yeah. the respect they all have for each other, like, that group is so cool. I hope it's respect. It, yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> Um, best original song went to I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man. Fuck yeah. Great song. I listen to that all the time to like pet myself. It gets me cheery. <laughs> it's a great song. Best original score went to Hilder Guanadotter. I don't know how to say her name. Hilda! I didn't know it was a woman. Yeah. And I was actually like kind of surprised. Blown away. And she was, she was really beautiful too. I was really, I was, yeah. like, st- I was stunned. Yeah. For Joker. Joker won Best Original Score. Best Supporting Actor went to Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Fuck yeah. This man is a train rolling to the Oscars. Cliff Booth, I think Pitt's going to finally take home the gold for this. This is the only award that I was like, this is going to translate the Oscars 100%. Me too, man. The other ones, we'll see. Well, I think Parasite is for sure the winner for foreign. <laughs> yeah. But Parasite could also win fucking Best Picture. So then they'd be like, all right, farewell, you know. Who knows, man? I love it. Best Supporting Actress went to Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Uh, yep. I, was, I wanted Margot Robbie for Bombshell, but... Laura yeah, Dern, Laura Dern is Laura Dern's like on a stage in that movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a different level. Best Actor, most, uh, Musical or Comedy went to Taron Edgerton for Rocket Man. I did not expect that. I thought Eddie Murphy had that one in the bag, but Taron Edgerton took it. And they like that singing shit, man. You know? That was a good... I wanted him though because yeah. he was so good in Rocket Man. Yeah, I was I was pulling hard for Eddie Murphy, but I also hate that category. I don't like the um, like splitting the. I don't like it either. The splitting the actors. I just want five straight up, or oh. even ten, or whatever you want to do. Yeah, well, that's why we have the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. The Golden Globes are like the fucked up the little brother ancestral yeah. hybrid of the <laughs> Emmys and the Oscars that nobody wants, but well, they have to invite it to the family reunion anyway. Well, it's the Batman and Robin of you know two. <laughs> the Oscars would be Nolan's, you know. Dark Knight. Yeah, exactly. Then the Emmys are like, you know, Batman v Superman. Like, I'll watch it, but I'm not going to enjoy myself. Or whatever. <laughs> and the Grammys are like, hey, not even a thing. Yeah. The Grammys are like that weird Italian Batman that they make overseas that nobody fucking sees. Best motion picture animated went to Missing Link. That was a bit of a shocker. And did you? I watched that movie. Was it good? It's fucking horrible. Oh. Damn. I was pissed. That sucks. Because it's like, what are you trying to be cute here? Are you, yes. What are you doing? You trying, <laughs> trying to you trying to like take this away from Toy Story? For what? For what fucking reason? Also, I don't I don't know what it how it entails. But I watched this movie called I Lost My Body, and it's animated, and it's like you know a hundred times better than these movies, even Toy Story. So I don't know what are the rules there in animated. I don't know. Um, it's, a fr- it's French. It's a French movie. I think it's all about who submits and who they pick. Because huh. I've like you know Vin Diesel submitted the Fast and Furious movies to the Oscars before. Yeah, so it's all about what. Well, they yeah, do. like and countries choose like, like Senegal gets to choose one movie that they get to put in for a foreign language film. One movie, isn't that pretty sad? What does France get like fifteen? And uh, they put in Atlantics. I don't know what France gets, but they put in Atlantics. Like that's their that's their 
their horse or whatever. So like they get to put one up. That's so crazy. What's well, a shame about Missing Link being bad? Because you know I like a movie about a about a squatch. So. I didn't like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I don't think you would either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was pulling for Toy Story four, but yeah, the, the fact you, that that movie beat three Disney movies and a DreamWorks is kind of amazing. It's it, it. Yeah, I didn't like it. Three billion dollar Disney movies. Yeah, yeah. Best actor drama went to Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, of course. No surprise. And his speech was very strange. He was He's, very nervous. Definitely high on pot. He's that dude is anxious as fuck. He hates these things. I don't know why he goes. Because he knew he was probably gonna win. Oh. And people are like, oh, look how surprised he is. He's like, he's not surprised. He hates he can, these things. He so can much. look as uncomfortable and as surprised as he wants to be. Joaquin Phoenix knows he's one of the best actors alive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my god. You made a documentary about yourself ten years ago, dude. That was so risky and it nearly vaporized his career. Yep. I, gotta watch I, I don't, I don't really buy into the whole, like, uh, me? <laughs> me? Dude, you've been in front of America for 20 years, man. Don't even. <laughs> As if. Like, people, 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 real movie people have been praising him since Gladiator. God damn it, man. You act arrogant. Stop it. You stop being humble. God damn it. <laughs> it's not, it's not even that. I love him. I really do. I, but I don't, I don't buy, it's like, like, Taylor Swift does it all the time. They're like, yeah. What? You know, you know, the two hands to the chest. You, oh. got, you got to do that or you look like a prick. You sure. can't just be like, yeah. I much, I much prefer the sincere, like honest Tarantino. Like, yeah, you guys think I'm a genius? I am. Yeah. Like you're the ones who are paying to come see my movies. Obviously. Like that's how it, but I hate that mindset. That's how, that's how this, that's how this country works. You know, like that's how we do things. We have people we look up to and then we have people who continue to just like do things. But we have the social structure for a reason. You have to look like you don't, <laughs> You have to look like you didn't think you were going to win or you come across as a complete <laughs> douchebag. It's part of the game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I guess I prefer no facade. Just If we ever, like, if this becomes big and we win, like, a podcast award, you're going to just walk up there like nobody's business and I'm going to be yeah, like, yeah, oh, my man. God. I'd be, I'd be very <laughs> thankful, but I'd also be like, well, yeah. I mean, well, well, you look at, like, things like this, people who win, like, you look at, yeah, Joker made a billion dollars and everybody liked my performance. So yeah, I won, you know? <laughs> I hope the Oscars is a little bit more considerate than that, at least. Oh, well, he's always going to be because he's Joaquin. And he is he is very aware of that stuff, I think. He is. A... My point is, <laughs> I don't buy into the, ever, from anyone in Hollywood, they're like, oh, me? I don't ever buy into that. I don't, I, I don't really see why it's like a, oh, good old Joaquin. I'm like, did y'all not watch the documentary 10 years ago? You know, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan of his. I just, I, I think we should be like transparent and open to his entire career. Not just that one speech for that movie that a lot of people were scared to see. <laughs> I love him. I just think, uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think people need to be more, be more open-minded when it comes to these actors. But how about those stupid, constant political stabs nonstop? Yeah. That, I mean, we know that's coming. We know that's coming, but it felt like a little more than usual. Probably because Ricky told him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, he started it, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Go up there, accept your award, thank your agent, and your God, and fuck off. Yeah, who, who's, <laughs> whose speech did you like the best? Mm. Or, or, like, did you, like, who's, like, you know, Aura? Did you like Joaquin? Or Ellen. Ellen, yeah. Her acceptance was, speech was pretty The Kate McKinnon to Ellen thing was yeah. pretty magnificent. Well, I loved, Ellen's speech was hilarious, too. I'd like to thank my husband, Mark. Yeah. Like, come on, man. She's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I uh, agree. Well-deserved. Her and Hanks. Oh, well done. Yeah. Tommy. 
Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. But uh, most people, it's always the same shit, and I'm tired of it. Yeah, I don't I need to hear it. you thank the entire crew of the movie. And always it goes straight to like, you know, I sympathize with Australia. I do. I don't like Trump, but I'm here for movies. I'm here to get away from that shit for three hours. Just let me, let me stay in this bubble for a little bit. It's all I want. Thank you. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And that's what Ricky was trying to say. Like, keep it out of the theater. Just fuck off. Nobody cares tonight. (laughs) And, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, you, you don't have a leg to stand on. What are you doing? Yeah. You know? The well, whole Weinstein shit. And like, he's right. Yeah, you all did this. Yeah. It was very, yeah. You know nothing of the real world. Very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those nights where you're like, yeah, you know, this is what you expect of the Globes, but there's also these surprises just because people are people. Yeah. And you have the Joaquin where you're like, oh, look at it. You know, like, this is like an actor, you know? And then you have Tarantino on stage. Yeah, it's just one of those nights, one of those spectacle Spectacle things. Can't wait for the Oscars. Uh, me too. <laughs> Best actress in a motion picture drama went to Renee Zellweger for Judy. No surprise. No surprise. Well done. Well-deserved performance. That was something else. Best actress motion picture musical comedy went to Aquafina for The Farewell. Well-deserved also. She was fantastic. She's funny. She said, I'll sell this if I ever come on like hard times. I think best <laughs> actress is going to be between her and Renee. Like, I think that's... That's the competition. Scarlet might sneak in there, but I think they're the competition. Yeah, I think Renee's got it kind of like in the bag. But yeah, I agree with you. I'm with you. It could be, you know, I thought Glenn Close had it in the bag last year. And then That's Olivia true, Coleman snuck in. Olivia Coleman was amazing. Took it for the favorite. So we don't, I don't know. I'm glad Olivia Coleman stole it. And finally, best director went to Sam Mendes for 1917. Yes. Which just makes me want to see this movie even more. Can't wait. Those are the Golden Globe Awards. The Oscars are on February 8th. The nominations will be announced on Monday, January 13th. Yep. And we will be reading them out in its entirety on the show that week. Yeah, the next day. Yeah. (laughs) That is all for this week, listeners. Hope you enjoyed our dive into the Schumacher Batman movies. Next week, we go back to horror with a film that may be my favorite horror movie of all time. Two American backpackers are hiking through the moors of England when they are attacked by a werewolf. One is killed, the other is bitten and survives, doomed to become a werewolf himself upon the next full moon. From director John Landis, next week's movie is 1981's An American Werewolf in London. Don't miss it. Until then, if you manage to figure out how to erase the mental image of batsuit nipples and a good solid 15 minutes of ice puns, let us know. Stay cool. I forgot we were talking about Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good week, guys.